Well, we're in a sermon series right now called Passing the Torch, where we talk about how to leave a legacy for the next generation. And today marks the end of that series. You know, we've been talking about how do we work with the next generation, not just to show them a good example, but to welcome them and to empower them and equip them to be the church of today and the church of tomorrow. And Pastor Chris has given us this this great invitation to shine like a city on a hill and really do that well. We've tried to welcome with grace and truth and to equip and empower so that they can be world shakers, not just at ECC, but everywhere. And today we get to ask the question, well, if we're doing all that, what do we have to learn from the next generation? How many of you guys like Legos in here? Okay, I got some Lego fans. Maybe you're a Lego fan up there. I used to love Legos, right? Building them, rebuilding them, playing with the giant bucket of Legos in my room. Well, I got the chance to dive back into the world of Legos because my daughter, who's five, got a Cinderella Lego set. And she asked for my help in building or rebuilding this Lego set. And so I jumped back in full of, like, man, my Lego prowess. Like, I'm going to bring my Lego game and destroy this Lego set. And by destroy, I mean build it perfectly. And I jumped in full of confidence and realized that things have changed since the last time I built Legos. Maybe some of you can relate to this, but there are new pieces Back when I did Legos, you stacked the Legos on each other, right? But now there are like little clips that you clip in together, or there's like sliding glass doors, and there's like real Lego wheels that like, I don't even understand. There are pieces, there's a fish Legos, like a a Lego fish. The people aren't even the same. The people now, like you, you have a Lego dress, there are hair that you can stick on, the bodies are not reminiscent of what I expected. Everything felt just a little bit different. And it wasn't only the Legos themselves that were different, but like re-engaging in the world of Legos felt a little different for me, right? I'm pretty good at Legos, guys. But I was looking in the box and I just couldn't find the piece that I was looking for. And I turned to my daughter and I was like, hey, can you help me find this piece? And she immediately reaches into the box and says, here you go, daddy. Like, did I just get worse at finding Lego pieces or like has the game changed? I'm not really sure. But then there was this other element of things that I just didn't know. Like, I would be looking for a piece and unable to find it, and I would say, Charlie, where is this piece? Have you seen it? And she would say, oh, it's not in the box. We already put it over here. She had already worked with her cousin on this and had either played with it or assembled this piece before I got to it. There were parts of this Lego set and and this new world of Legos that were different than when I did Legos, and engaging in it now was different than it was back then. I think my experience with Legos is a lot like what it looks like to engage in the world in 2020 right now. You know, technology, you're at 2022. <laughs> we can edit that out, just kidding. Anyway, 2022 right now. I think the world, this is, a, this is a good example of how hard it is. I'm still stuck two years ago. I can't keep up with the next two years. But that's what the world is like right now. Technology is expanding so quickly. It can be hard to keep up. Society is moving at such a rapid pace. It can be difficult to be up to date with the world that we live in and the terms that are going on. I'm sure all of you guys remember Pastor Jason's famous line, TikTok will make you dumb. Yeah, and that was a good and memorable line warning us about the dangers of social media And this is not an advertisement for TikTok. This is not saying that our young people should be on social media. But have any of you ever gone on social media with a young person and, like, watched them do it? They can do it. If they've been on there before, they can do it with an ease that is foreign to the rest of us. 
They can jump through it and actually find real good content. I'm not just talking about dance moves, like actual information in a way that some of us can't. Even hip youth pastors, like myself, can struggle to do what these people do, or these young people do, authentically and organically. There are real dangers to social media. And as I said, this is not an advertisement for them. But here's my point. Young people in their engagement with things that are not brand new to them but they've grown up with can teach us things that we can't learn as well on our own. They use these social media platforms when they use them well to actually engage with one another, to actually build community, to actually glean information. What if we were able to have a conversation with our young people about how do we take what you do so well in these worlds and use it to help engage our online community? What could we learn if we invited them into the conversation around something that they're clearly better at, at least than I am? You know, one of my uh, elderly neighbors is moving into a new location, and she was talking to one of her friends uh, with me around and asked her to set up her internet. She said, hey, can you help me hook up my modem? And uh, the other woman says, sure, I would love to, and uses the phrase, or, or she, <laughs> she looks at me and like, like turns away and like looks me in the eyes and goes, I like to describe myself as knowing just enough to be dangerous in the world of tech. <laughs> and uh, has anyone ever used that phrase or like felt that way? Uh, <laughs> and the unfortunate part of this is if you've described yourself as that, you know that it's true. And it's not just true in the world of tech, it is true in a lot of areas today that often we know just enough to get ourselves into trouble. There are times that we engage in things in the world of 2022 and we don't know as much as we think we do. We don't acknowledge the blind spots that we have and as we plow ahead like a bull in the china shop, the words that we mean for good end up causing harm. And you know, while my Lego skills, some of those timeless truths of Lego building, they stand up, right? You can still build a great Lego tower the way I build a Lego tower, all right? I still got that. And, you know, if I had just built my daughter's set the way I remembered it, it probably would have looked a lot like what it's supposed to. I would have figured it out. But if I don't learn from my daughter who experiences the new world of Legos in an authentic way, if I don't learn with her what it looks like to build Legos the way that she is, as she experiences it fresh and new from a new perspective without my preconceived ideas, I might miss some elements of Lego building that I would never have known had I not built it with her and opened my eyes to learning it. You know, eventually, maybe we would have had the same product, but I think not only would the product be better if I learned from her, but it'll be more fun. And that's just Legos, guys. I believe that there is a truth here that we need as a church, and it's this. We need to learn to build with and not for. We need to learn to build with and not for. In the same way, we're going to have to learn from young people how to engage in the world as Christians, how to live for Christ in this 2022 where there's TikTok and social media and there's phrases and terms and the world is ever-changing. Even as we protect and guide them through it, we need to learn from young people as well. We need to learn how, in this age, we can both be the church that has survived to this point and minister to a group that is growing up in this world. We have to learn what they have to teach us, and part of that 
is just how to be a child. We have to learn what childlike faith really looks like. And to be clear, this is true of people younger than us, but it's also true across uh, different different demographics as well. We need to learn and build with, not just for people who are of different races and cultures, who are different genders and different economic backgrounds, who are differently abled and in so many other categories. So this principle doesn't just apply to the young people around us, but to those who are younger than us in faith or different from us in general. We have to learn how to build with and not just for. Well, in this series, we've been looking at this put into practice, right? We've looked at the example of Paul with Timothy, a man who was much younger than him in age and faith. We've looked at Moses as he handed the torch to Joshua to lead the Israelites. And today we get to look at the example of Jesus. We get to ask what he can show us we need to learn from the children around us. We can ask what he would encourage us to embody so that we would well follow him in this upside-down kingdom of God. So if you have your Bible with you, please open with me to Matthew chapter 19. And Maybe this is a verse that you're familiar with, or maybe this is brand new, but when I thought of Jesus and children, this is the first verse that came to mind. In Matthew 19, we read, Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. In this passage, we have parents bringing their children to Jesus so that he might bless them, which is a common Jewish practice. The disciples clearly thought that Jesus' time was far too valuable for this activity, but Jesus quickly says, no, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. This belonging, I think, has two different meanings. The first here is this this laying on hands, uh, as Pastor Chris actually mentioned a couple weeks ago, is a common practice to portray the, the blessing being given to the next generation. And so that is certainly here, but consider that it's Jesus doing this. He is blessing the next generation, which is going to be the first generation to grow up under the new covenant. The first generation to reach adulthood after the cross has been taken, after the resurrection. This blessing is not just a simple blessing, but it is inviting you to be the first series of people as adults in the new church that I'm building. There's a lot there. The second implication is this that the reality that they're going to grow up in, that this new covenant, something about living in the kingdom of God, requires all of us to be like them, to be like children. The ESV Study Bible identifies the qualities of children that are essential as these. Humility, childlike trust, vulnerability, and the inability to advance one's cause without help, direction, or resources of a parent. There's something, maybe something on that list, about being a child that is necessary to succeed in the kingdom of God, to belong in the kingdom of God. Somehow we have to adopt the childlike humility that Jesus points to in these children and embody it to be what Jesus calls us to. 
Earlier in the book of Matthew, Jesus actually brings a child in front of his disciples and says these words. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the one who humbles himself like this child. Have you ever considered how incredible of a sentence that is? If we continue, the book of Luke also emphasizes the power of the young. In Luke chapter 22, we have this recorded. It says, A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, Jesus, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table, but I am among you as the one who serves? Friends, we can bring all the timeless principles in the world. We can encourage our young people to serve at our church. We can empower them with the ability to do so. We can give them the equipment to succeed. But if we can't adopt a posture of humility, if we can't recognize that we have something to learn as well as to give, then there's always going to be a divide between this generation and the next a divide that is not representative of the kingdom of God. I'm going to say something strong here, but I believe that it's true, so receive it with grace. I can't get around the fact that you can't serve God without humility. You cannot serve God without humility. I don't know how it's possible. And so as we do the things that we've talked about in this series, if we can't adopt a posture of humility, we can't possibly succeed to what God is calling us to do. You can't lead if you think you don't have anything to learn. The heart of leadership in Scripture is to serve those that you lead and to bring them to the table of the Lamb. Unlike Jesus, we have a lot to learn. I certainly do. And yet God is glorified and the church wins when we can teach those who are younger than us in the faith and in age, but we can also learn from their perspective and their curiosity and their experience as well. Uh, Young people who are in the room and who are watching, give me your attention for a second. Because I've been talking mostly, it sounds like, to adults, but I want to talk to you guys as well. You don't get a free pass. Because you see, Jesus describes humility as a core thing of what it is to be a child that we have to learn from you. And my experience is that humility is a child, like, you get it as a kid, but it doesn't last very long. (laughs) It's a thing that can slip away really, really quickly. See, little kids are good at it because they try something and they fail and they immediately go to their parent and say, show me how to do this. And yet as we get older, we begin to say, no, I can figure it out. I can do it and start to think that we are right. Little kids want to learn. They know they don't know everything. And when we think we've got it figured out, no matter what age we are, that's when we begin to lose grasp of that humility. 
young people, we need you. I need you to remind me, to teach me how to explore, how to make mistakes, how to jump into things with excitement and exuberance. But I can't learn those things from you if you can't be humble. Please don't lose your humility. Do you guys realize the context of this conversation between Jesus and his disciples in Luke 22? Do you recognize where they're arguing about who is the greatest? That this is at the Last Supper. This moment where they're saying, who is the greatest among us? Jesus says, no, it's the one who serves. It's the same meal that is described in John chapter 13. The same meal that John describes Jesus as showing them this by getting down and washing the disciples' feet. Before doing the greatest feat that the world has ever seen, the greatest leader to ever live takes on a role that even the youngest wouldn't have done. The lowest servant of all would be the one to wipe the feet of these people, and he gets down and washes the feet of his friends. Some may have been closer in age than others to Jesus, but it wouldn't be surprising if one was barely a teenager. But Jesus didn't care the age of his disciples. He knelt down and washed their feet. He showed them what the kingdom of God is like, what leadership in the kingdom of God is like. He showed that we serve in humility to the glory of God. And when we do that, God shows up and does glorious things. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 of his followers to go and spread the message of the kingdom of God having arrived, to proclaim the good news. They go out and they do it and they return with joy that God has been using them to to spread this message and to cast out evil spirits. And Jesus, in response, says these words to them. He says, Do not rejoice in this, that spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. (laughs) On the heels of this incredible moment where the disciples come back and are saying, even the demons listen in response to your name, in response to this message, Jesus highlights, yeah, but that's not the joy you should have. You should have joy that you, who are undeserving, have received this blessing like little children. Because that's the only way for the Father to use you. Jesus proclaims in a prayer to God that the power of the kingdom is for those who are little children. In the account of the Last Supper in John, after washing the disciples' feet and explaining the greatness in the kingdom of heaven, we have Jesus addressing his disciples with these words. He says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you were my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus says, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. 
You know, study after study continues to show us what no study is really needed for, that children are much better learners than adults are. We adults are so caught up in taking advantage of the opportunities in front of us that we miss the chance to learn something new or something different, to take a chance. And the older we get, the longer we are from being children and the more we forget what it is to be childlike. Jesus told his disciples, addressing them as little children, to love one another. To love one another after displaying humility and washing their feet. Friends, if we're going to do what we've talked about in this series, if we're going to shine and welcome and equip and empower young people, we have to model this. We have to show them love. To love in humility is the core of God's command. To love others and to love him. This means that we have to do that if we're going to put this series into practice. I learned this week even more how important this is. If kids are such good learners, they are going to absorb the example that they see in the words that we say. You parents know, like, you don't get anything past your kids. You think you've kept it a secret, and they will repeat it in an instant, right? Well, this week, I had the chance to meet with a bunch of our high schoolers and ask them questions. I asked them about the series that we're doing, the topics that they're interested in. We got their feedback on the retreats that we're going to do. The amount that we learned from them, even as we guided them through this conversation, it was incredible. I learned this week more about what it looks like to love God to a high schooler and more about how I could imply that into my life, apply that to my life, than I did talking to adults. I learned things that I'm going to apply this year in that context because I put myself in a a place where I could ask them questions. And yes, they need guidance. I met with a high schooler today who asked my my advice on a bunch of things, and I gave him a lot of my thoughts, and I learned things from him. We have to be able to do both. We have to show that we can embody the humility and the love that God calls us to so we can guide them in the truths of the gospel and at the same time learn what is essential to be a child of God. We need their perspective. We need their perspective, and we need to learn. So this is the spot where I get to challenge you. This is the spot where I get to say something hard. We are starting a a new format for our preteens this year. We're leveling up what we're offering them. And we need more volunteers on Sunday morning. We need what, what we could do with eight volunteers who serve once a month. I can't explain to you the opportunity it is not only to mold young lives, but to learn what it is to follow Jesus. In this space where we're recording this, we're going to do a youth group this fall. We always need more leaders. If you want the opportunity to walk with young people as their faith is challenged and as they grow, and if you want to learn about what it means to follow Jesus, this is an opportunity. And if youth ministry isn't your call, if you're joining us online because you can't meet with us in person, then you don't get off. (laughs) It's not only on Sunday mornings with our preteens or on Wednesday nights with our youth, but whatever you've been gifted to do, 
It's an opportunity for you to teach those who are younger than you in that skill or an age and to bring them forward in the kingdom of God and at the same time to learn something from them because we can always learn from a fresh set of eyes and a fresh perspective, even on something we're an expert at. A few weeks ago, Pastor Chris concluded the service with this verse. First Timothy. He said, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So young people, let me say one more thing to you. We need you to teach us sometimes. I need to learn some things from you. So don't be afraid to step up to that plate. Don't be afraid to set an example for the adults in the room and for your peers and for those who are younger than you because they look up to you. God has given each of you gifts. And it is our dream and our desire and our responsibility to take those gifts and equip you to use them and to entrust you with real responsibility and to do what God has called you to do in your church, in this church, with your gifts. and for us to learn from you in the process. Paul urges Timothy in this same passage to keep a close watch on his teaching, to persist in this, and by doing so, saving himself and his hearers. And I believe if you persist in practicing your gifts with us, then you get to do the same thing. People get to look at you and see you and have an impact that can actually save lives and have an impact for the kingdom of God. Because people are going to look at you and they're going to say, something's different. Tell me more about that. And adults, I'm going to end with you and tell you that God can do the impossible. He could take the stones of this building and pull shouts of praise from them if he wanted to. But what he's done is put us at this church for such a time as this. He has put us here and we can't ask our students to be something that we're not. We have to put this series into practice. We have to model what it looks like to shine as a city on a hill. When I talked with my students this week, the number one thing that I heard that causes young people to walk away is hypocrisy that they see in the church. We have to shine. We have to love in humility. And then we welcome and we equip and we entrust. And once we do all that, we get to learn back from them what it means to be a child in the kingdom of God. So my challenge to you is to find your way to do that, to shine, to welcome, to equip, to entrust, and find a place to learn. We have to. We have to learn how to be little children who just want to see God do big things. Because when we do, he will. Jesus, help us to be like little children, in the way that you want us to be. God, give us the wisdom to guide those younger than us in age, those younger than us in faith, to the truths that you've revealed about yourself, to what it means to accept and live in the gospel. And yet give us humility to learn what we have missed as well, or what we have forgotten. God, give our 
young people, bravery and courage and humility. And may we all seek you and bring glory to your name by the way that we work and learn together, building your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen.